You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Making of a Marketer, the podcast that takes you around the world of marketing one topic at a time. Hosted by digital marketing consultants Jess Nickerson and Andy Pondillo. We welcome you to join the conversation. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Now here are your hosts, Jess and Andy. We are back on The Making of a Marketer and... We have a familiar face in the house. Jess is back once and for all. It's July. We're moving through it. I'm back from vacation. So as we've said, you know, we're getting back into that regular cadence. But, um, you know, Jess, it's been a while. I know you're doing great. We Kid number two. And uh, excited to have you back. We're going to delve into a lot today. Yes, I can't wait. It's it's a feat that I have a nice shirt on. I actually, my hair is down. <laughs> I can't play. And I have makeup on. So I am pumped. Like we are, we are ready to go. <laughs> Back in full swing. And as promised, we're starting episode one of our theme park series. So the frame doesn't quite catch your eye. If you're watching on the video, it's uh, Sky Rush is what I'm wearing today. So for each of our shows, just I have like a collection of 20 roller coaster t-shirts because I'm a nerd and it's what I do. So this is a shirt we got from Hershey Park. And we're going to talk about our adventures the last few weeks towards the end of the episode. But Today, we're talking a little Disney to start off our theme park series, and we're welcoming Lindsay Henry to the program, the operator of the Lindsay Henry Travel Blog, um, which you can find on Instagram, but also somebody that I've known a very, very long time. Lindsay and I go way back to college, and we're both broadcasting nerds and started off our careers uh, in the broadcasting industry. For Lindsay, um, spent a great deal as a reporter and anchor in the news sphere. I spent time in the radio sphere. And a cool fact about Lindsay, we'll, we'll pick your brain on this later, is an Emmy-nominated uh, news uh, reporter slash anchor. So Lindsay, we're real happy to have you on board. We're going to talk some theme parks today, some Disney today, and what you've been doing on that side, but really excited just for a well-rounded conversation. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about everything and so excited to see you again. It's been so long, really too long. And uh, yeah, let's get going. I love Disney. Most definitely. So let's talk about that first. You know, you, your background is somebody that's now doing uh, blogging when it comes to Disney at the theme parks, the different events here. You're really covering it within the posts and the stories and utilizing a lot of different content. I really see that journalistic style you're bringing out and telling a story through Disney. So I know there's a lot of people in that space. 
Um, it's pretty competitive where they're trying to get into that world to, you know, be an ambassador for a large brand such as Disney. Can you just briefly explain how you got started in that and kind of where the trajectory is going for you in that world? Oh gosh, the trajectory. I have no idea. Um, hopefully going places, but it's a very slow process, I will say. I so yeah, as you mentioned, you know, I've been in TV news almost my entire career. When I was 18, I worked in production, and then I went to Sam Houston with you, and then you know, got a job as a reporter, traveled across all Missouri, California, and then finally made it back to Houston. And uh, so it kind of started a few years ago. My husband and I decided that we wanted to take sabbaticals and travel. And, you know, after a hard year, we just said, this is what we want to do right now. Life's too short. And then I thought, you know, why don't I just take a whole bunch of pictures and video because, you know, I might not ever come back to these places. And that's kind of what we all do anyway, right? When we go somewhere, you take a ton of video, you take a ton of pictures. And so that kind of just continued on as I've been writing and traveling and then going to Disney, of course, uh, I've, I've continued that. But Disney specifically, why it's been such a prevalent place in my life the last few years, let's just take the pandemic, okay? So many places were closed down for so long and international travel or even travel within the United States was kind of very limited. And so Disney was always a place, except for a very short time, that was open. At a, at a certain point, they were operating at 25% capacity, no lines, but you had to wear masks all the time. So we ended up going to Disney for our honeymoon. We went to Disney for another thing. And then I did my first run Disney race. And that kind of really started spiraling from there. I, got, I became an out-of-state annual pass holder with the IncrediPass. And so that definitely helps because now I have an unlimited amount of park days I can go. All that I really have to worry about, you know, is the flight and the hotel. So that's a different thing about, say, somebody that lives there that can do this full time that can just go to the park every day versus somebody that lives out of state that has to travel to make this happen. And then you obviously wanna do the most at certain times of the year. So, you know, it all comes down to um, what my, you know, what you're doing, what people love and knowing your audience. That's something in the journalism field, you know, we say all the time, do you know your audience? And I think my audience, you know, are a lot of people just like me, everyday people that wanna go on a trip, that want to see affordable things that are fun, et cetera. And not necessarily everybody would think that Disney is affordable, but there are affordable hotels, affordable snacks, affordable food, things like that. And so when I started posting about that, that really started kicking things into gear, making things relatable to the everyday person, you know, like me. I, I mean, we can go, we can go have fun. You can stay at a Disney hotel, all of that. And then, yeah, so some of my videos do really well some I'm still kind of learning about the process of how things you know go viral and 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 that but I think one day I mean gosh it would be great to work you know directly with Disney and be an official ambassador um but for now I'm just gonna sit here in my Disney themed office in Houston Texas and dream <laughs> No, I love it. Jess, I'm thinking about you right away because uh, you're the master of the Disneyland trip. She just did a trip. Well, how many months ago was it now, Jess? What, four or five? Oh, July. Four or five yeah, four, yeah, four months ago. Lindsay, for my 40th birthday. And, you know, we talked about how my my interest in these Disney vloggers really took flight at the start of the pandemic. So the start of 2020, when I it was just one of those things where 
I didn't think I was going to be able to go on a trip in a very long time. And I, and I didn't, and I was pregnant, uh, with my first, uh, baby girl. And it was just one of those things where I just, I wanted to escape, uh, through these vloggers. So I was able to just get that experience. And, and now I'm, now I'm hooked. So I love what you were saying about knowing your audience and just, you know, what they're having a better understanding of like what they're going through and what, what content they're uh, going to be interested in. And I can second that, Um, you know, Lindsay, from my perspective, like our whole theme park thing, my fiance and I do is, you know, we met each other and like, you like roller coasters. I like roller coasters too. We haven't done roller coasters in a decade. Let's do them. But I actually sparked the interest because I watched YouTubers who travel through Hershey Park and different parks in the area. And they talked about, you know, fast passes, days to visit, hotels to stay at. Because I was the same way, Lindsay. I'd look at these parks. I'd be like, I want to go, but do I want to spend $3,000 today? Like, so it's like, is it possible to do these parks without making it like your one big vacation for the year? Absolutely. And you're right. Like things are expensive, but it's all about the time of the year. You know, uh, what festivals are going on at the park? Are they offering a discounted ticket rate or are you becoming an annual pass holder? I mean, that's one thing, as you know, Andy, like Houston, we used to have Six Flags and that was everything. Mm -hmm. Astroworld. And then, of course, when I was in high school, that got, you know, taken away. And so our closest amusement parks are Six Flags over Texas and Fiesta, Texas and San Antonio. And so it's ours regardless. So I'm paying for a hotel any way you look at it, because I'm not going to be driving four hours in the morning and four hours at midnight, you know, to come back home. Because that's just a lot. So, yeah, it's it's definitely, um, you know, a fun thing to do. Amusement parks are accessible and they're so much fun. And the food is usually cool, too. So it, there's a lot to enjoy for sure. Definitely. So let's take it to your creative side, Lindsay. We asked this question early on in our interview with everybody, regardless of theme parks, B2B marketing, whatever it may be, we all have to use a creative side somehow. So I know this from creating content that it's a daily grind. And when you you go through this, there are times where you're like, hey, I got the creative energy. There's times where it's like, hey, I'm a little stuck. How do you get unstuck creatively when you go about putting together these posts? I've definitely had uh, moments where I felt like my creativity is just gone. So I, I hear what you're saying entirely. And again, I'm still learning about the process. Um, But I think, you know, if you're ever experiencing a lull, or you don't know what to post, you know, it's important to keep posting because you want to keep your audience because I notice if I don't post in a few weeks or whatever, I'm losing my audience. Um, But if I post kind of consistently, it doesn't have to be every day, it could be every few days or et cetera, about reels versus pictures, you know, you're keeping the audience going. And also something to think about if you're ever in that moment where you feel like I I really need help creatively, think about what people are talking about, just like news. So if you need to Google the news of the day, or if you're specifically focused, not necessarily on Disney, but say you're a Six Flags park enthusiast. Google, you know, Six Six Flags News Today, see what they're talking about, see what people are talking about. For instance, right now at Walt Disney World, last night, the Disney Parks Instagram just announced what they're going to have snack-wise at Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, which goes on from August to October, you know, to Halloween. It's a very, very big thing that draws in lots of crowds. And so they just posted the food. 
And, you know, then I repost it. There you go. And then it also reminded me last year, I made some mummy hot dogs that look just like one of their things. Today, if I wanted, I could repost that and say, you know, have a connection. Doesn't this look exactly like they're, what they're about to sell at the parks? And then you got people talking again. Oh, how can I make that? And, and et cetera. And it kind of keeps that going. So anyway, if you have a moment of, you know, where you're feeling like, I don't know what to do next, just look at what people are talking about. Cause that's often, you know, a good place to start for sure. That's something just, I think you and I talk about a lot, you know, what hashtags are being used in your industry? What's the conversation? How can you be a part of it? And I think really how can you organically become a part of that conversation? And I think that's what you're really hitting on Lindsay is that they put something out there that's going to be super tailored. We know the production costs that go into some of these commercials and all the razzle dazzle, but putting an extension onto it in more of a personalized organic manner helps you kind of put the same news out there, but also in your own voice. Absolutely. I think so, for sure. I mean, having a connection, I think that's kind of like what life's about in general, like having connections with others, right? Friendship, things like that. And when they feel like I could have, I can't go to Disney, but I could have those hot dogs at home. Oh, and she's showing me how to make them. You know, I know that sounds silly because it's a hot dog, but it's a mummy hot dog. So it's kind of cooler than just a hot dog. Okay. But, um, but you know, it's good. It's good. And, and getting people kind of talking and, and again, knowing your audience, I think that's the biggest thing is knowing who is following you and why and what they want to see. And that, that really helps. So most important question of, out of all of our questions today, this is for all of us is favorite Disney ride, any park, any ride, um, any time frame. I need both your answers and then I've got mine locked and ready to go. Lindsay, do you want to go first? You go first. You you go first. I want to hear. <laughs> uh, Disneyland, I Indiana Jones. I mean, it's it, it's I, well. Andy knows this. I'm not really a roller coaster person. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not into heights. Uh, even though I I can fly, but yeah, not into heights. I always get. I, I don't like feeling ill like on rides, but for some reason. So I stick more with like the non, like non super thrills. And then some reason Indiana Jones, like I love it. I love screaming on it. Everyone is always <laughs> looking at me when I'm, I'm like, yeah, this is a fun ride. Why can I not scream on this ride? But anyway, it is, it's just, it, it, it captures my like thrill seeking extent, like what I can do essentially, but yeah, love it. Love the story too. Like the cue, I look at the cues and then the actual ride itself. Did you like the new movie as well? I have not seen the new movie yet, uh, but yes, I will, I will let you know once I, once I see it. Did, so did you cute. like it? I'm assuming. Oh my you. gosh. I, yes. Yeah. Indiana Jones reminds me of my dad. And so, of course, like I had to see it right away. And then actually my dad was in town that weekend. So we got to go together, which was really special. Um, but yes, that ride that you're talking about at Disneyland is phenomenal. The ball rolling towards you. I mean, you really feel like you're in the movie. It's pretty cool. That's a good one. Um, my favorite ride. <laughs> I, I, I really feel like I have to think about this a lot because I have a lot of favorite things for different reasons. 
like Pandora, world, you know, the world of Avatar, that ride is really cool because when it came out, um, it, it was just so unique. You're in this bike-like setting and you're watching this giant screen and you smell the things like California Soren. But um, so I really like that one. But, and I, I love the new Guardians ride at Epcot. I think that one is super cool. It's very smooth and the music changing per every time you ride. I think that's awesome as well. But I really had to think about like, okay, take all the things I love and choose a favorite ride, right? I think it is Expedition Everest at Animal Kingdom because several things. The park is just beautiful. The ride is really long. You're on it for a long time and it switches up. It does things you don't expect, which is cool. Um, and also one thing that I'm a big fan of at theme parks are single rider lines, which are just so much fun. So, you know, you can go with a group or you can go by yourself or your entire group can go in the single rider line. You just know that you're going to be separated. So what I love about this ride specifically is that you can ride it like 20 times in the single rider line and you just get partnered with whoever and who cares? Because if you're not going to buy the big picture, it doesn't really matter. Right. But that ride I'm telling y'all is so much fun. And I feel like that's the one I, I could probably ride all day and never get bored. Andy, that's, what about you? What do you what do you like? <laughs> that's I've watched it on YouTube, so I haven't been there in a while to Disney World since they built that. But that'd be like my number one if I went back. So it's it's been a while. This is so we're like building up to the Disney slash Universal trip. It's coming. We just don't know when it's coming. We're building up to it. Uh, my favorite from being a kid uh, was the Tower of Terror because. I love haunted stuff. Jess, you know this all too well. Horror movies, Halloween's coming around. It's my favorite month of the year. So I loved watching that episode of, um, what was it? It was that series, it's escaping me right now, Twilight Zone. It was a Twilight Zone and it was actually based on an episode of that series. And it kept a lot of the same elements in the hotel, had the effects and then the drop. It was just, it, the, the theming was just kind of like, right aligned for what I like. So I know they have Haunted Mansion. That's probably my number two. So I tend to like the haunted rides and to have something like that year round where you're not waiting for like Fright Fest or whatever. I thought that was a cool element to add to the park. Tower of Terror is a beast in itself. How it goes down and drops, that is scary. And if you don't know, you know, I didn't know as a kid, I didn't know it was going to bounce back up and go up and down a few times. I was like, okay, it drops, it's over. So that's a little bit of a surprise if you don't watch the videos beforehand. Absolutely. It's it's definitely, I will say, probably my least favorite because of that. <laughs> yes. I always say on those rides, you get to feel your stomach and your collarbone. So if that if you're not into that, it's probably not the best ride. So um, I'm slightly into it. But let's get back on track. As Lindsay, as a travel blogger, let's talk about putting together a comprehensive story for your trips. You already talked about it a little bit, like meeting your audience, you know, talking about how you would go about a day. But when you talk about a story, so, you know, there's visuals, there's voiceovers, there's there's different things happening. Tell us just kind of how you approach this. Is it something that maybe you're storyboarding, taking it to our news days, or is it something you're going in, you're letting kind of Disney take you where it takes you that day? letting Disney take me where it's taking me is definitely how I plan that. I mean, I don't, honestly, I just do it with a passion, not, not, you know, not because I feel like, no, I have to, but, but there's certain things that obviously, you know, you need to post about. So for instance, in April, I went 
for the springtime surprise races. I'm a, I love run Disney, had a great time. Um, but Tron had just opened up. So of course, everybody's posting about Tron, right? And it's a process. You have to get in the virtual queue on your phone and you may or may not get it. Then, you know, when it's your time, you have to race over to the ride and ride it and everything like that, right? So I, um, I'll give this as an example, okay? The day that I was at Magic Kingdom and I was set to ride Tron, which is right behind Space Mountain now, it's at Magic Kingdom. I got in the virtual queue. You're allowed to get in at 7 a.m. At 6.55, I get on my app and I start refreshing because I am crazy and I want to make sure I get a spot in the virtual queue. And so I got like boarding group eight and it goes up to like 200 or something. So I knew I'd be called pretty quickly. And because I was staying at a Disney park hotel, resort hotel, I was able to get into the park an extra hour early. And basically the second I swiped in, it said my boarding group had been called. But what made this day unique is that it was pouring out, just hardcore raining. No one was at the parks yet. And I mean, for like the first two or three hours, barely anyone was there because it had been raining for like five hours straight, you know, before the parks had opened. It was just very wet out. But I know this about Disney that it can rain, uh, just like Houston, just like anywhere else. So I had a poncho, had everything ready, and I just filmed everything because I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like the park's empty. I know it's raining, but I'm still able to ride rides. So not all of them, of course, but then I go to Tron. And then because of that, I ended up being the only person on that ride. That ride had just come out. I mean, it was brand new and I was the only one on my coaster and I got put in the very front row. And it was so neat and that made it kind of special. So I'm like, I have to post about this for sure. So of course I'm taking video of everything as I'm going. But then in hindsight, I'm like, this is a cool thing to mention. I need to, because I mean, everybody wants to ride their favorite ride or a brand new ride, you know, period. But then by themselves, it kind of made it a unique experience. So anyway, what I think about when I'm going into something like that or just shooting something in general, like say a new food or new to me snack that I'm trying, lots of video, different angles. I mean, in, in the news business, we're taught like close up, medium shot, long shot, be careful with panning things like that. So I basically just take everything that I know already from the TV news industry and use my cell phone to do it. Don't zoom in on your cell phone, actually physically move your camera closer to the item or whatever you're shooting. And then kind of cut, you know, you can have some long shots, again, close-ups, medium shots, one or two of yourself, but like not everybody wants to see you the whole time, you know, either. So, you know, it's kind of like a mix and you have to have that perfect blend of all of those things. And then music and a voiceover tends to work best. You can record your voice at something, but unless if you have a great mic, it, it doesn't necessarily always work. And I, I don't know about you, but as a former, or still a newsie, but you know, part-time now, uh, fill in. I hate when I see people talking like this into, a, into an earbud. It's just buy a microphone and put it on a lapel, you know, like a lav mic. So, even with that, you're going to have a lot of audio and background and things like that. So I just feel like the voiceover method is so much easier, clean, easy to understand and uh, engaging. So again, just get as much content as you can. You don't necessarily have to post it the moment you're there, but then when you get home or at the end of the night, or when you have a lunch break, work on it. And, you know, if you have to do a voiceover in your car or in a quiet spot at the park or just at home three weeks later, do it then. So it's kind of, I don't know, the approach is different. I feel like just grab as much content as you can because you can always delete stuff off your phone.
but you can't go back and refilm that if you're already back home, you know? So that's kind of my advice. I would say overshoot for sure. Make sure you get a variety of different things and angles and whatever is most interesting to you will probably be interesting to other people. So keep that in mind. It almost reminds me of uh, the reality TV world. You know, they shoot so much footage. So like Survivor, for instance, like they find like an hour episode over the course of three days. So 95% of what they're shooting is people sitting around in the jungle and laying in the sand and not doing a whole lot. Um, But you're just trying to like to capture something. I think, you know, that's the same way as content gathering is you're trying to figure out what those shots might be. And then, you know, if you're turning this into, let's say a 30 second, one minute cut, if you've given yourself a lot of these shots, you, you might be able to go back and, and piece different things together. The other thing I thought about while you're talking is some of this could get banked. So are you, do you go through your footage later and maybe like clip it, bank it somewhere and, and save it? So you have it somewhere like on a G drive or something that's accessible? My husband, if he's, if he's listening to this, he's going to laugh <laughs> because I have like 50,000 60,000 photos on my phone. I have probably 20,000 videos uh, and I have an iCloud. Uh, And that is how I operate. I don't delete anything. I mean, I should, I do delete periodically if something's really bad, like I'll I'll delete it right away, but I just keep it there. And then it auto updates to the cloud. So that is how I'm operating right now. Not necessarily the best option. Um, I know I do have an external hard drive and a computer and all that, but then it comes to uploading PC versus Apple, et cetera, et cetera. It's a lot of complications. And so I feel like it's just best to keep it on my phone because if you're editing on your phone, if that's what you're doing, keep it there. Um, But if you are say using a GoPro, which I also have a GoPro and a gimbal. If you're using a GoPro and a gimbal, obviously the PC or, you know, Apple computer is going to be the best place to store and edit that because you're not going to be able to well, you can actually edit GoPro video on your cell phone, but it's a little different. So I, I do have an app where I, I get my GoPro video and I send it to my phone, but the file is so large. I see a lot of people basically, and we'll also add, when you go around at the park that are YouTubing or on Facebook Live or et cetera, and they'll have either their phone or a GoPro or whatever, and they'll go live the whole time or they'll shoot video just nonstop the whole time. That's great. And it works to an extent, especially if you're trying to see the parties live, et cetera, but a normal day at the park, maybe you don't want some of those shots or people are constantly walking in front of you and things like that. So it's good to get a variety of short clips that you can edit together. And like you're saying, like if you're making a 30 second video, obviously you don't want to have one clip be 30 seconds. You want to have, you know, maybe each clip is one to five seconds and that keeps you engaged. The more, the more you see, the more you're interested to keep watching. So um, yeah, storage wise, I'm not exactly the most efficient, I will say, but uh, I do have quite a bit. So if you say wanted me to show you video right now of the, you know, harmonious show at Epcot, I've got that video uh, or whatever, accessible right now uh, to be able to share. So yeah, I have a lot of video, but uh, I should probably figure out a better long-term solution for this. And Lindsay, what I love about what you're talking about too, is just like this idea of, yes, having a plan is good, especially for our marketers out there. Cause this, this absolutely applies. Telling a story applies to what our B2B marketers are doing, our consumer marketers are doing, but you, you know, also having that flexibility or just being open and letting the story unfold. Cause like you're saying, 
with that day, that special day that you had, not only are you able to talk about a new ride opening and that experience and that point of view using the virtual queue, but now also you're able to uh, highlight like, what do you do on a rainy day in Florida or at Disney World? And because that's that's pretty special too. So I, I like this idea of, yes, yeah, so you got to plan out your content calendar and have some type of plan and idea, but then be open to other stories. Exactly. And you're, you're, you got it. You just hit it right there. Okay. You can have the idea. I knew that when I went in April, I had several things I wanted to do and I was definitely going to shoot video and pictures. Tron was one of them and it was my birthday week. And so I spent one night at this hotel, one night at that hotel. I had, I ate at the restaurants. I wanted to, so I have this, I have this nerdy goal of going to and staying at at least one night of every Disney hotel just to experience the whole thing, like go to the pool, go to one of their restaurants, like live it up, you know, just love it. Um, Cause usually when I stay, I, I choose one of the value resorts because I go, you know, several times a year and I want to be able to take family and things like that. Um, and my, I want my husband to not be mad at me, <laughs> but, um, but you know, yeah, you have to go like with a general idea, like say you're a Disney content creator like me, uh, who's out of state. I know I'm going so many times a year because I have the run Disney races and I know that and not just run Disney, but say like September, you know, for the Mickey's not so scary Halloween party. Okay. I'm going to that. Well, what am I going to do on there? I'm staying here and, you know, plan several things, but don't necessarily plan your entire day and have it so set that you cannot change your plans. Like the rain. You just never know what's going to happen. You never know. And you have to kind of be prepared. So maybe always keep a poncho on you just in case or an umbrella, no matter what you're blogging about, you know, don't want to get your gear, uh, gear wet, been there, done that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, have, have an open mind and really think of like all the different angles you could tell on this. It's not just a new ride that opened. It's a new ride that opened and I'm the only one on it. That is crazy. Or it's, what is this ride like in the rain? It still operates. That's a great thing that a lot of rides, you know, can't do. Um, so yeah, just being open-minded and, and really kind of trying to get as much content as you can. And then you can solve that problem later. You can say, okay, I've got all these different angles, write them down on a piece of paper, tell every single one of them. Don't tell them all the same day necessarily. <laughs> Save them for a rainy day. You know, that's funny you bring that up, Lindsay, because that actually just happened to us. Um, I'll go in further detail not to derail this podcast too much um, later on in the show, but we went to Hershey Park on our first day of a road trip we just did on 100% chance of rain day. So I was like, uh-oh, walking in. Um, but there was only going to be a pocket of four hours where it rained, but it was like like <laughs> rain. It wasn't like a, a shower. So um, we got rides in, there was hardly anybody there, the whole park got grounded completely because it was like lightning strikes in the era, area and everything, but we actually found stuff to do, we went to the Chocolatier restaurant and bar and had um, chocolate martini flights, we went to a chocolate show, we did an indoor chocolate ride, and before we knew it, the park was open again, and nobody was there, so it was exactly what you're talking about, but I was actually concerned a little bit during the day, because it's like, they might just shut this whole thing down. Like they just might be like, hey, we're closed at two o'clock because nobody's here. And they stayed open. And then we got this free day kind of towards the end. But 
that's something that I was actually thinking about when I was there. Like that's good content right there to know because I didn't know that going in. So to exactly what you're saying, that's a post and just excellent content and the visuals you can provide through the whole day, create that POV experience. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome day too, honestly. Like as soon as it stops raining, you're the first one on all those rides that that's a great day to me <laughs> oh yeah it was wonderful 78 degrees too after it was done raining so oh no 68 degrees in in the middle of july so pennsylvania of course doesn't get as hot as i'm used to in texas but still 68 in july that's a little cool so we got a cool day out of it too which was nice so you need to bust out your winter coat <laughs> no, oh no, I, I'm adjusted now. I don't need a coat until it's like 40. So I, I've gotten some of the Texas out of me, but uh not not all of it, but we're we're getting there. A uh, few more questions, Lindsay. This has been wonderful. I've learned so much just from your approach. And what I love about it is I really just hear that journalistic side in there, you know, as you approach this. So like the way your brain works, it's so much what I do and how I teach social media. So it's like really just refreshing to, to listen to you talk about all this. But let's talk about theme parks as a whole. So something that I saw recently is SeaWorld in Florida opened a new ride. And what they did is they actually had a blogger influencer day. It wasn't as much of a news media event because you have the news media events. We're familiar with those. They actually had a blogger day where they just let everybody in, ride their new roller coaster, give their opinions. They gave them exclusive access to taking videos. And just think about all the content. You have 25, 40 different influencers doing this. And I thought about it and I was like, why is not every theme park taking this template to get free marketing? So my question to you is, you know, just doing your work at Disney, do you think that theme parks have been pretty proactive in bringing together this community? Or do you still think there's a lot of work that needs to be done? I mean, I'm not being invited yet. So I definitely think there's work to be done. <laughs> Selfishly. Okay. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm really nobody. You know, I, there are influencers with a hundred thousand or a million people. People, you know, my my follower group is small, um, <laughs> comparatively speaking. But I I do see theme parks inviting people out, influencers to do this, to do to see a new ride. Like, let's take Universal in California. They also invited all these influencers out when uh, the new Super Mario Land opened. And of course, like who doesn't want to be there, right? Um, so yeah, great idea because then you're seeing your favorite influencers. They are posting about it and it's marketing. I mean, it's a win-win in my, in my book, okay? Because the people that are creating that content get the joy of the experience, right? Like you're gifting them an experience that's, that they're never going to forget. I got a ride, blank ride first, or I got to ride this ride before it opened and, and with no one on it, you know, whatever they get joy from out of that, like they get experience that, but then the people that are watching their content are getting the marketing for it and they're getting real life marketing. They're not getting a billboard. They're not getting a commercial. They're getting somebody they know and trust to tell them why this is so great or the foods they liked or didn't like. And, and so you're kind of kind of go along with that. I mean, if somebody says, oh, you know, this hamburger at Toadstool Cafe is amazing, but the fries are kind of, you know, you're and you trust that person or you you think you do, you're, you're probably going to listen to them. So it's a great way for 
businesses to market in general. And I would say any business can take this philosophy and go forward with it. Okay. It's not just theme parks. Let's say like a jewelry store or the, the Astros or whatever. If you take these things and say, you know, several days a year, you have influencers come and meet all the Astros and, and just play ball with them, like toss a ball around the ballpark. Everyone's going to be like, oh my gosh, what are they doing? And it's going to get you engaged. And it's not costing that, that business much like Disney or these theme parks. Is it costing them much to ride that, to run that ride once or twice or for a day or for an hour or et cetera? It's already, the park's probably already open. It's probably just that one ride that they're having to staff by a few people and obviously electricity and et cetera, et cetera. But Disney makes so much money. They don't care about that, right? Um, <laughs> so I, I think about it, the cost to market and to pay the influencers or to pay for advertising in each state or to pay for commercials or internet advertising, et cetera, is great. But influencers are, are people that want to go that might even go for free. I mean, like you and me, right? Like I, if I got invited, yeah, I would go without being paid in a heartbeat. You want me to ride that ride for the first time? Absolutely. I will do it. Um, <laughs> hands down. So, um, I think that it's a good idea for any business to offer kind of an influencer like day. And when they're using influencers to be more broad, there are a handful of people that have a million followers, right? But if they choose influencers, I think from different states or different cities, people that don't necessarily just live in Orlando that are from other places, obviously there's going to be a cost with that, like a flight or whatever. So how do you figure that out? I don't know. You know, is the business paying for that? Is the individual paying for that? Um, but if you have a more bright, wide, excuse me, um, selection of influencers, I think that would definitely also really help. Don't just like if you have a jewelry store and you're, you're bringing influencers in to show the jewelry off to market, right? Don't just have, you know, miss whoever there. Have everyday people show, like, wow, I've never, I've never, you know, held something like this or whatever. And that reaction is organic because we all feel that, right? We're like, whoa, that's unique. So yeah, I, I think that, I think the marketing business in general can change a lot over the next few years when they're learning more about influencers as well. Every single company can use influencers. It's a way to market and it's a way to help, you know, boost views, boost income, revenue, things like that. So yeah, I, I definitely think it's a good relationship that they have, but I think that it could be done differently in the sense that choosing people more broad and not necessarily just choosing influencers, choosing everyday people. Like if they went in the park and got a whole family and said, hey, do you want to ride Tron before anyone else? Can we film it for our commercial or can we film it for social media? I'm sure the family would say yes, because who doesn't want to do that, right? And then there you go. There's an organic thing where you get to feel the pure joy of happiness from somebody else. And it just kind of engages you more. I love it, Lindsay. Well said. You took my influencer spill almost word for word that I've had a, a number of times and have basically hit it out of the park. Uh, last question for you. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Newsies, Sam Houston State, you know, we go way, way back. Uh, we both today talked a lot about how we bring our journalistic nature kind of to the, to, to the table and what we do. Um, curious your thoughts, just in your background in news and in doing Disney blogging now, 
how has that shaped in your abilities and what you're able to do? And then also, you know, I feel like there's always a lot of people in news that whether they're looking to switch careers, you know, do something a little different, whatever it may be. Um, I've always felt like the background that we have really arms us for a lot of different creative things. Uh, so just curious kind of how that's worked for you and how that's helped you kind of craft this thing out. Like I said, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> like, I feel like a newbie, uh, you know, when it comes to the influencer realm and travel blogging in general, which is mostly on Instagram. Um, I, I'm still learning, but I think a lot of the things that I learned, you know, through working at a TV news station when I was young at Sam Houston, a lot of it has to do with what's currently going on in social media, which is visual storytelling. And it's not just photography anymore. It's videos and it's videos with music and it's videos with editing and titles and voiceovers and things like that. I mean, that's literally what we did, right? As a news reporter, a news anchor, you know, videographer, producer, everything. I did all of that. So shooting something, interviewing people, writing, editing, voicing over, putting music or not, all of that. It's the same exact thing, but on your cell phone. So I, I think what really helped me, honestly, is... Before I left the news industry full-time, which I'm still available to freelance, I, I don't ever say I'm fully out because there's definitely opportunities that could come your way and I, I wanna be open-minded, you know? Um, but I started doing periodically storytelling on my cell phone. I shot a whole package on my cell phone just because, because I, I shot the whole package on, on my camera, but I wanted to see what I could do. And so I shot everything on my HD video, you know, cell phone edited it and compared, and they looked pretty similar. So I'm thinking, okay, you don't need to spend $10,000 anymore on a nice camera. If you have a nice phone that you're using all the time, make sure you have a good hard case because I have broken a few phones. Um, <laughs> but you know, taking care of the equipment that you currently use and using it to your advantage to help um, definitely helps. Learning about the different types of shots and what's successful and what's not. Uh, you know, close-ups of food, everybody wants to have a mouth-watering, you know, sandwich and or whatever, a steak, you know, so you want to see that sizzle and everything. So just think about the things that you'd want to see and you project that onto your visual storytelling. But, you know, when it comes to like storytelling in general, not just visually, telling a story is important. And that's what people want to see. They want to see a beginning, middle and end and a catch. Why are they watching this story about Tron? You know, why are they watching this story about this amazing sandwich? Um, because it's great for you and you want to share that, right? But tell the things that fascinate you the most. And chances are, it's probably going to fascinate the people that follow you as well. So again, it goes back with the knowing your audience thing. My audience right now, I'm very grateful, is, is switching. And again, this is something I've learned from the news industry or that I've had to adjust that's been kind of difficult. I used to post only news pretty much because that was my life for 10 years. And then I so slowly started switching to travel. Well, a post that would normally get 400 likes was now getting 40 and I'm in Egypt. And I'm like, this is Egypt. This is the most incredible place in the world. Why is this not getting like more? You know, I just couldn't understand. And it was because the content wasn't engaging enough. And I'm not saying the pictures, but because at that point in time, I hadn't discovered the impact that reels had made to the social media industry 
videos are everything right now. And if you have a video with great, great pictures, great sound, and a great voiceover and a catch, people are gonna engage in that. So yeah, definitely journalism has helped me a lot in storytelling. I'm a storyteller by heart. I love to tell stories to people as I'm talking y'all's head off right now, like, you know, and I, I think like telling the story of what you love and what you're passionate about is important. And to me, I was so excited when you guys invited me on the show because Disney is a big passion of mine. I love it so much. My family's always loved it. We went growing up, you know, I have some great memories from there as a child and even now into my adult, you know, age. And so, um, yeah, knowing, knowing your audience, producing stuff that you love, it helps create that organic following that, you know, makes people want to come to your page. You have me sold, Lindsay. I need to get to Disney. It's been way too long. I need to ride Tron. I've watched the YouTube videos, especially ones at night, look really, really awesome. So I need to get there. But wonderful, wonderful conversation today. Um, definitely, if you're following us on LinkedIn, you'll see Lindsay um, tagged in there. But also, please go to Lindsay Henry Travel Blog on Instagram. Give her a follow. Check out these Disney tips and tricks and see some cool travel, you know, tips just around the globe as well. It's been so fun to, to watch you on this journey, Lindsay, and we've learned so much. So I'm excited for where this could go. And thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much, guys. It's been a pleasure talking with y'all. And anytime you want to talk Disney or travel, you know where I'm at. <laughs> Definitely. We'll be reaching out soon. Thanks, Lindsay. Bye. Thank you. I suggest I've got so many like ideas to do a Disney trip now that <laughs> this is it's actually on the table for us for this to be our honeymoon trip. So it's like Disney versus Caribbean right now. So um, we're going back and forth. Um, Lindsay's very, very helpful kind of piecing it together into different pieces. So, you know, it's got the brain powers working. Yes, I everything Lindsay said, it was spot on because essentially I, I told you, you know, I, I got into these vloggers and their stories at the start of the pandemic and had been watching them for two years. And when we decided to go on my 40th birthday trip and slash baby moon, I was just gun ho about going to Disney. And it really was because of the stories I had been watching for the last two years from these influencers. So I, from a marketing standpoint, this absolutely works. And I just, I love all of the, the tips and, and tricks that Lindsay was talking about, because I absolutely see this applying to the B2B and the consumer space. Yeah, so much of it too, especially video creation. That's something that um, I, I feel like no matter how hard I try, I've gotten it across a good amount, but, you know, there's still just thought process. And it's a lot of, you know, being in marketing for decades that when you say video or create new content, there's this like this big hurdle, just like scared feeling of what that might cost and all the production involved. She really hits on the point we get at a lot is that you can do this on a lot of simple mobile devices. You know, it might take some learning and some nuances of how to do certain shots, but there's no shortage of education out there when it comes to video and getting started to where I think more than ever, you just don't need as much of like a, a big video background as you used to, to get started and start shooting some good content. Mm -hmm. We talk about this all the time. 
with uh, the brands that we consult. You can do low resolution. It works well on LinkedIn as long as it's engaging and as long as you're you know, tapping into that customer need and telling an engaging story. Yes, most definitely. So another wonderful conversation. We're just kicking off the theme park series. So we are working on guests for the coming weeks to start talking just kind of around the industry. So stay tuned for that. We got major life updates, Jess. We can't we can't end this podcast without touching on some of the things that's been happening with both of us. So um, again, welcome back. We're so excited to get this thing kicked off on a, a weekly by weekly basis again with the podcast. So um, just tell us what's going on. Like, Give us an update for the listeners out there, how you've been, what it's like with two little ones running around right now. Like, We're, we're super excited for you. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's it's definitely been uh, challenging. There there are mountains to climb, of course. It's it's very rewarding, though. And I I will tell you, okay, the the birth story was a little bit of wild, so I'll I'll try to keep it super short. Uh, so essentially, with our our first daughter, I uh, you know gave birth early. She came a little after 37 weeks. It was um, a natural experience. It was absolutely wonderful, very incredible, swift, but a surprise, unexpected, all worked out. My doctor uh, was not there for that experience because we had her on a Saturday, early Saturday morning, and my doctor does not work on Saturdays and Sundays, because uh, he's just so busy uh, throughout uh, the entire week. So during this second pregnancy, you know, I kept telling him, I said, you're going to be there. You're going to be there. You have to be there. I'm so excited for you to be there. And we, we joked around about it. And I found out at 36 weeks that uh, Georgia was in breach position and that completely like rocked my world. I had no idea what that meant or the implications, et cetera. So for the next two weeks, I did everything I could to try to turn her. And uh, even my my doctor performed uh, a procedure where he tried to manually turn her and she's super strong and she just popped right back up and she said, nope, I I'm doing my thing and that's how it's gonna be. So I, I came to terms with the fact that I'd have to have a C-section to have her in the hospital, to have her the safe way in the hospital. So, you know, we planned it and my, my doctor planned it for June 17th and it was a Saturday. So I was like, yes, I get you on a Saturday. You're coming in, you're here. I'm so excited. And my daughter had other plans and she decided to come naturally on June 11th. And it was, it was a little terrifying because my water just, just broke up at three in the morning on a Sunday morning. And uh, I knew that we had to get in immediately because she, I knew that she did not flip naturally. That's something that they, they checked for. So I knew that this like we were having a C-section regardless. And we get in there. Uh, my my doctor, again, was not going to be there. But again, it, it all worked out. And the really cool thing is the nurse 
in Penny's birth was actually there for Georgia's birth. So her name is Jane. She is incredible. She is our person and she does not work nights anymore. And she just happened to take a night shift because she had not worked in the last three weeks. She's actually an educator now for the hospital. So she was there. She was the first person that I saw. And it was like such a good sign. And so now she was there for both Penny and Georgia and the, the, the three doctors that we've experienced throughout this whole process, they've all been incredible. It all worked out. But yes, that's a story. Very long-winded, but I would just, was, I, I love it. That was some plot twists right there at the end because, you know, we got the word, you know, you reached out to me to, to let me know baby Georgia was healthy, everything was good. And then I was like, it's June 11th. Like you're saying, I was like, this is soon, isn't it? I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> like when you said it to me, I was like so caught off guard. I was like expecting to like check in. I was going to check in with you in a few days to make sure everything was going good. Um, but I'm just happy that you know, it, it went smoothly. You talk about the roller coaster ride. Those are some stark changes, like just leading up to it. But most important part, you're healthy, Georgia's healthy. And, um, you know, that had to be a relief, you know, getting your nurse that she had before, because I know that's a very probably important part, having that rapport with somebody that you trust. Yes, definitely. And uh, yeah, we I joke around with my doctor. He's not destined to be in these births. Uh, but that's okay. And and also we are we are a weekend family. Things happen for us on the weekend. Uh, but you know, it again, it all it all worked out. And I've learned you can have a plan. I've talked about this. You can absolutely have a plan and you just have to be able to adapt and be flexible because plans don't usually work out no. the way that you think they're going to work out. No, there's always some nuances to it. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, for marketing down the line, you're probably, I would imagine your social media feed, if you're clicking on the right things as a lot of babies are us and, you know, different things like that going <laughs> on. So that could be like an interesting topic at some point, you know, what is an e-commerce marketing strategy for the little ones when they're buying new clothes all the time as they grow or toys or, or whatever it may be. I'm sure there's a whole, there's a whole game to that that I've never seen before. So it probably would be pretty fascinating. Yes, Andy, there are influencers in this space as well. Sure. They're everywhere. There's an influencer <laughs> for everything. So when you say you're a boring B2B company, because I've heard I've heard directors of marketing tell me their company's boring. I'm like, your company's only boring if you make it boring. That, I, that's what I, I sometimes think in my head, but I say it a little nicer. Um, it's only boring if you make it boring, but there's always influencers that can pizzazz it up a little bit. Like they're in every field. Somebody's tapped every single thing you can think of at this point. Yeah, L Lindsay made me think of how these companies can capitalize on that influencer piece and app absolutely tapping into your employee stories, but also too thinking about like, ooh, could you have potential candidates? Uh, again, you know, you know, we like to break the HR rules left and right, but but thinking about like, can you have potential candidates come in and do like a behind the scenes or talk more about their experience as well? Definitely. I mean, 
everybody's a potential marketer within your company, even if they're not a marketer, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. or candidates. Like there, there's so many ways that you can do this. And it's just, you got to break, there's no book. I think Lindsay hit on that. It's a, it's a lot of learning as you go, but just remember everybody's doing that. You know, there, if there's a book on influencer marketing, which I'm sure there is, um, it's probably going to be outdated in six months because it changes so much. The whole thing changed when TikTok came around. Even though the other platforms aren't TikTok, everybody's doing TikTok style video right now. They're doing TikTok style video on B2B on LinkedIn. Everybody, it changed everything. So I think that with that, it gives everybody a reset every six months, one year, whatever it may be, is that now this could be your entry level into the game because the whole thing just changed and maybe you can get in with that new strategy. But I do have my story before we conclude here. So um, we did some travel. As you know, we went to some theme parks. We did Hershey Park, Dorney Park, Six Flags Great Adventure, and a quick trip to the Jersey Coast. And great time. I told you story number one, Jess, at Hershey. That was actually day one of the trip. Um, so we're looking at weather, you know, a little bit of ways out. And it's like day one, it's going to be... This isn't like rain they're calling for. There are like potential for 60 mile per hour winds. So I was like, okay, that's probably not good. Um, is this going to last all day or is it going to last part of the day? And what we saw is it's going to be part of the day. So it's like, it's going to hit and it's going to go. So my biggest thing was just like, I hope they don't shut the park down. So we got lucky. Um, we manufactured that day. We actually had the fast passes where we they came in handy at the beginning of the day. At the end of the day, we didn't even need them. Um, but we went to Hershey the second day. And the second day was just like a quick, let's do a few things and leave. And the line to get in the second day was, I think, 5% chance of rain, 92 degrees or whatever. So much better day. The line to get into Hershey Park was probably running like 800 people at the entrance, like to get in and right at, at opening. And it was like the kids running and, you know, everybody going crazy as soon as they got in. So I felt justified. I was like, we bought the fast pass. We might have not needed it the day before. But if it was a normal weather day, I made a strategic choice. It's just we got a little lucky by the weather on day one. This is making me anxious just just thinking about this <laughs> right away. as well because I I remember on the 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 Disney trip we recently just took you know we went in the height our peak peak uh, amusement park uh, times where it was at a hundred percent capacity and we were able to check in an hour before the park opened. However on some of the days, the lines were so incredibly long just to check in that we didn't make that one hour window. And I would, I'd be like racing, racing with my two-year-old to try to get there to, to feel like we were like taking advantage of like this early admission. And it just, it, it made me very stressed out. So yes, yes you're saying 800 people. And I like, I feel you on this. Yes. And then everybody's just like sweating and getting anxious for the gate to drop and all, all of that. So that was day day one through two. Then day three was Dorney Park. So um, Dorney Park, smaller park in Allentown, PA it was kind of like the middle of the trip stop for us. 
we rode the first ride of the day. We're the only two people on it. So the park wasn't that crowded uh, within the theme park. We jumped over to their water park and it was nuts. So everybody was at the water park. So kind of in and out on that one. Great park, scenic, up in the hills. You're walking up and down mountains as you walk through the park. Pretty cool. Um, and then we concluded Six Flags Great Adventure. So if you're familiar with Six Flags, Looney Tunes, Batman, Superman rides, 95 degrees outside. I'm used to this growing up in Texas, Jess. This is no, this is no match for me. I went into the protocol, drank tons of water beforehand throughout the day. But people looked like they were suffering out there because New Jersey's probably not 95, you know, degrees very often. But actually played in our favor once again on the other end of the spectrum as the park was very empty just because I think people are like, no, <laughs> like not, not for us in that type of weather. So it ended up being a really good day. Uh, the park there has a ride called King to Ka, which is the tallest ride in the world and the fastest ride in North America. So it goes 128 miles per hour and has a, a 400 plus foot drops. That was awesome. That's a highlight of the trip. Uh, we survived that. And uh, the ride was actually closed for a couple of weeks right before we got there uh, for maintenance issues and it had just reopened the week before. So we timed everything perfectly. Wonderful trip. No crazy, crazy stories, just fun stuff. And then we went to the Jersey Shore and um, had a nice little resort over there with beach views and there is a tiki bar and you know you could eat your seafood right on the water so it was overall just good time like it was one of those go 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 trips but everything kind of came uh, came about nicely throughout the entire ride. Andy were you able to film on this ride with the tallest drop? So that they're crazy about that. They won't let you enter the ride queue with anything. So even if you have zipper pockets, doesn't matter. They they literally there's a locker that's like right outside the ride. Every single thing you have, no matter what it is, must go in a locker. And they have a security guard in front of the line, like checking pockets before you go in. So it's probably smart because I can't imagine a cell phone flying off at 128 miles per hour would be good for anybody. Yes, I'm not thinking of the safety piece there. But again, I, I don't know. I'm thinking of an angle here where maybe you could be a theme park vlogger. Because you're you're hitting a lot of theme parks here. I'm loving the stories. I absolutely would watch your content on you riding these rides because you know I'm not going to ride them. Yes. So I want to live vicariously through you. Or or maybe maybe we could even do a recording of the podcast when you're at these theme parks. Just I'm just throwing some awesome. things out there. Now, yes. I, I have to convince my uh, fiance, Kristen, I have to convince her, hey, we're we're not only here, but we're doing a production while we're here. So I have to convince <laughs> her, you know, she does TikTok videos already of the cats. So like she's already getting in this world a little bit in the cat world, but we have to show our faces and like do more things. So it might take some convincing, but, you know, <laughs> I can see where you're going there. You know, I, um, I would have a lot of ideas, but the thing is I get like, I'm like a little kid at these places and I'm like just ready to ride, ride, ride. So I would have to slow myself down to like get the production in as well. That would be the most difficult part for me. 
almost like the the hot ones is that what that's called where the the celebrities eat the the hot sauces and then they're interviewed we yes. can bring marketers or you could bring marketers in and ride these rides and you're you're asking them questions as oh, you're yeah. riding the ride oh, yeah. asking them like marketing questions <laughs> what do you think of the batman theming that we just swung <laughs> like past at like 60 miles per hour yes no got good ideas making a marketer season seven you know you know how like you know the shows like they start off a little normal and then they get off the rails a little bit that might be like our later seasons we start going to that like it but that is all the time we have for today jess a wonderful first episode for our theme park series we'll have more on hand jess is back in the saddle we're excited so Thank you once again. Thank you to Lindsay for joining us today. Again, be sure to follow her on her Instagram, Lindsay Henry Travel Blog. We will be back soon and I'll talk to you later, Jess. Sounds good. Bye. See ya. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.